Hello and welcome to House of Wine, the podcast. This podcast will help you deepen your intimate life with God, give you practical insight in how to develop a rhythm of prayer, and finally ground your journey in a revelatory discovery of the scripture. Thanks for joining me. Apart from the episodes with my wife, this week's episode ranks as one of my favorites so far. The revelatory really bloomed in our midst as my beloved friend Jaleel Schelling and I discussed the vivid textures of God's revelation throughout history. What emerged from our conversation was a profound, holistic perspective of who the Father is to us and how we can relate to Him practically. What was specifically illuminating was the consideration of how much we are either hindered or unhindered by the lens we are looking through as we learn to behold Him. Simple affection is often withheld because of the influence of these worldviews that attempt to pervade the subconscious mind. We must be renewed in the spirit of the mind by allowing the Holy Spirit to shine forth into our innermost being to reveal the glory of God in the face of Christ. Welcome everyone to um, episode 8 of House of Wine. And uh, this week, we are really privileged to have um, one of my bros, Jaleel Schelling, on the show. And um, I'm sitting here in um, the Mornington, Mornington Peninsula with him in a little holiday house near the beach. And um, we've just had such a rich time being in the presence of God together and eating and um, just doing life, doing family, um, having little our little kids run around um, around us and and it's just been just such an amazing time so um Jaleel welcome to the show <laughs> thank you Caleb it's so good to be here it's really been a rich time the last couple of days and um yeah just seeing our kids and our wives and yeah. just fellowship together um I really like what the Lord's doing in that mm. what he's what he's establishing with that as we spend time together. Amen. Um, so, bro, I would love for maybe just as we start, you to share a little bit around, um, you know, we were having a conversation or we've been having conversations around um, the, the lens that we look through um, when we're relating to the Lord and, and how the way we see him or the way we understand him so impacts our, not only our intimate life with him, but also the world around us. And um, it's so, there's such an oil coming off you and your family um, to do like life holistically and to kind of, there's this um, this synergy where you're, you, you can feel around you that you're aligned with with heaven in, in everything that you do and in your day-to-day life and how you eat, how you relate to one another. Um so I, I'd love to ask you to start. Um, what what is it? How what is it about um, the nature of God or how you see Him that creates such a um, a holistic expression in your world? Mm. Gosh, it's such a good question. We are just so growing and learning every day. Hey, um, coming from like I think a Jewish background and really understanding. Um, the Jewish mindset is that 
like everything we do is holy. There's no, um, you know, profane or sacred within life really, but every action of life is holy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent, you know, several, you know, quite a few years in ministry engaging with platform ministry and, uh, you know, you've got different, you know, positional ministries which are often quite segregated from your family life. You know, you've got people who are ministering amazingly on a stage with a microphone, but then their family lives are a mess or their their health is a mess or, you know, just, just their thought life or their emotions are out of control, yet they seem to master this particular ministry really well. Mm. Um, but that's, that's I, I don't think that's the that's the freedom that Christ has brought us into. It's mm-hmm. the freedom that he, he wants to permeate free, freedom in every area of our life yeah. and, and joy and peace. And, um, you know, I, I, for, for us, I think it's, and, and for me at least, it's been a pursuit over the last couple of years of allowing his peace to come and reign in every area of our life. And I find like peace is a great thermostat for health. You know, mm. if you have peace in your marriage, you've got generally a really healthy marriage. Mm. I'm not just talking about um, lack of conflict, but I'm talking about you just are at peace with that person, um, at peace with your children. Like if you have true peace, you have a healthy relationship with your children. Um, you have peace with God. You have a healthy relationship with him in your heart. And I think I think the fact that Jesus actually has made us, has brought us into that peace, it's all through him. It's, it's not because we've worked hard for it. We've learned to just like lay down our yokes, lay down the things that we thought were important and take up his yoke. And so coming back to that Jewish mindset, that, that I, I feel like it's important in every aspect. Um, we, we transitioned out of mini, a ministry position into more of a business position in the last two years. Um, but it's actually all just ministry unto the Lord. Like whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Mm. And so it's all ministry. It's all just as valuable to the Lord. Mm. And um, and so I think that just as we've done that, we've just allowed God to engage that part of our life. There's not this aspect of, well, this is a holy time, kids, like hold yourselves together while we're at church. Or, you know, it's like, no, like, God, we just want to be, with you and in you and see you overflow mm. every aspect mm. of our lives. And that even includes not just our lives, but our relationships with friends and, and people around us. And um, I feel like um, the Lord has removed ambition out of our hearts. Wow. Um, and replaced it with like vision, which is really big. So I feel like sometimes ambition, which is often really self-focused, robs you of the ability to, um, or actually robs God, uh, it robs you of experiencing God's power and peace invading that aspect. And so where people seek ambition, um, they often don't allow God into that area. Mm-hmm. But just like handing that all to him with like business and everything and having it rela- re- replaced with vision from him, it's just brought so much peace into our lives. So, so when you say ambition, you mean um, kind of like self-willed, like like drive, trying to like 
So yeah, the, I think the the Bible talks about selfish ambition, you know, mm. um, which we've often often masqueraded as like calling, and we've called things like you're a superhero, like all these things, which are so eye focused. Wow. They exalt the individual instead of exalting the Lord. It's like almost using the glory of God as a step ladder for your influence. Wow. And um is there yeah. is there a is there a balance with that? Because it you know yeah. you can because you can slip into um you know false humility or Yeah, I think like the balance is again is peace is like that's the thermostat. Really just like rest and peace is the thermostat for it. And I often find people who are highly ambitious, some of the most unpeaceful people around. And so that really shows you if if it's, are you like walking in the vision and calling of God or are you just walking in ambition? Wow. And, um, and I think that God, he absolutely wants to do extraordinary things because he's an extraordinary God. And so he's just like inviting us to hold his hand and do the miraculous and do the wonderful and do the powerful. Um. But he's not really a stepladder. He's a father that leads us. Whoa. You know, it's intimate. It's through intimacy that we really walk into the miraculous and the extraordinary. Um, my prayer has been a, a couple of things is, you know, with my family life has been like, Lord, I want my family to look like your original call for family on earth. That's always been my prayer. May my marriage, may my family, may my life just... Um, what you originally thought of about family and why you created them made our lives be brought into that. Mm-hmm. that I think that's what redemption looks like. That's what his, re- his blood has redeemed us into being able to walk in just heavenly family on earth. The families would, you know, community would look around and go, Oh, well, that's what it looks like. And, um, and I just like the fact that, <laughs> um, when God created the first family, he just like made an awesome garden for them to enjoy. And so joy and enjoyment and rest and peace and just like stewarding what God's given is, is actually supernatural. so good um i I love um just to just to reference again um your background is that you you have a jewish background you're a messianic jew and um you mentioned um about different worldviews and and how a jewish person views um god and then from that views the world around them um which i think is is quite contrasted to maybe what we're living in 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 modern Western culture, especially, which is a more Greek mm. um, philosophical worldview. Um, could you talk a little bit more about some of the distinct differences? Mm. Yeah, I think like the Hellenistic worldview has just like really shaped the world we're in. The Romans just did an incredible job of reshaping the world and down to mathematics and numerology and you know days and years, all that the way we think, the way that we uh, reason and just the Hellenistic mind. It's been really powerful and that's really where the New Testament was written around that time of enlightenment. Um, 
but it's also difficult for us to see and understand God sometimes because it's a different lens to the lens that he tried to reveal himself through, which was through the, well, you know, we can call it the Jewish or the Hebraic mindset, but God actually orchestrated and created that and then invited the people into it. Does that make sense? So it wasn't like their mindset that he was sort of, he created the whole, he created the gospel of himself in and then invite them into that mindset to embrace it. And that mindset was always that he's in everything, that he, you know, that's why he could just, he rested in the temple and the glory of the Lord like descended and it was like magnificent. magnificent. You had Sinai and you had these amazing encounters. Um, but he also just, rested in the everyday life like he wanted the people to be always around him he was the center of the community the tribes of israel would as they were coming out of the you know out of egypt and coming into the sinai um they would they would camp around him and he was always in the middle of them and so everything was like holy it, including like that's why so much of the torah was like it was so is this related to everything? Like he wanted to be involved in how they ate their food. Wow, he wanted awesome. them to be, he wanted to be involved in like what it looked like for them to gather their food. He was like, he was so about the days and the ways that they ordered their days and their months. And, and, you know, we can look at it as law and often Christianity's like, well, that's the law and we're not like that. But then we only have encounters with God once, once a week in church or totally. whatever, totally. instead of realizing actually the law was a foreshadow. It was, it was sort of like, um, he's like, here's a blueprint of what I'm going to write on your heart so that you won't need this anymore so that I will engage every part of your life. I'll engage the way that you interact with your neighbors, the way that you gather food, the way that you order your weeks, what your Sabbath days look like, rest, like family life. He wants to be in all and through all. And so the law just all the way down to like sex and like family and children and honor and like all these things, he was so involved in it. And God's just wanting to, that's what that's the way he sees it that actually we're in him you know we're not trying to find we're not trying to you know incorporate him into us mm. um and i think that's what faith is hey it's just like if you can just see god in the mundane and just like realize he's right there with you he never said he would leave you nor forsake you so <laughs> you know like jews they say a prayer after they take a crap on the, you know, they, they pray, they thank God after they take a crap every time they take a crap. It's funny. I know it's funny on a podcast, but you know, <laughs> and thanking God that their bowels work. Hey, this like blessing God, just like, wow, Lord, you've like my, my world, my life's healthy. Thank you. Lord. Yeah, and they're not like, they're not saying, oh, that's unholy. Or, no, no. They're just like, we're disconnecting God from, from that. Yeah. So imagine if worship was just involved in every aspect. It's yeah. just like, we get our three day three um three prayers a day, but then we just thank God for food and we're the blessing. Actually, in Jews, it's it's quite interesting. In, in the pr- Jewish prayers, we actually thank God after we eat the meal. Like we bless it, but then we actually thank God after the, we eat the meal because, mm-hmm. like, wow, this is amazing food. Thank you, God. And so, um, yeah, he, the Jewish mindset is that it was holy whether you're in the temple or whether you were like out in your field 
harvesting your field. And the way you did it was to be done unto the Lord. Don't reap the the outside parts, leave, let it be threshed by other people who are poor. Like all of it was holy. The way you did it was to be done unto the Lord. He wants to involve he wanted to be involved in every aspect of our lives. Wow. And so, you know So how how do you feel like um that worldview then translates into a new covenant? Because um, it also it also seems like they had a shadowy idea of his nature mm-hmm. and um, they didn't have the clarity that we have mm. in Christ. And so you even see like God, like he, yeah, their, their community and, and their life was built around um, the temple system and the presence yep. of God, the literal presence of God. It, yeah. wasn't, a, it wasn't a ritual. It wasn't like some other um, religions where it's like it's just built around a ritual. It was, yeah. it was the Shekinah, like... The, the glory. tangible glory of God was in their in their midst, but it seems like um, I heard one writer talk about um, the wrestle that those people that the Israelites had with God, though, because he didn't um, because he put himself in their midst wow. when they were in such a state of contradiction wow. and and sin consciousness, and so like um, how does it trans? How do you feel like this idea translates or finds its its completeness in the new covenant Mm. well i think that paul writes about it clearly that we can now boldly enter into his throne room Mm. you know with our conscience washed you know sprinkled clean by the blood and so you know you can see aspects of this in the old testament you've got people like daniel who just knew the Lord, and you have David, who just had encounters with God that we we look at still as believers and go, man, like he was encountering God in ways that I haven't yet even encountered totally. um, through faith. You got Moses who saw him face to face. Um, but I think, like, if we just boil it down, um, the whole heart, whether you under the old or the new covenant, was intimacy with God. And that was the doorway. It was always the doorway, a heart that was turned towards him. And he just seemed to always, he will always make a room, make room for you and the availability for any individual to have encounters with him if your heart's turned towards him. And um, it seems often in Christianity or in New Covenant, we still seem to make a lot of hoops to just encounter him and know him. We sometimes just like continually make it about a whole lot of other things rather than just intimacy. And... um if you just realize that you're walking with him every day, like every moment of every day, and you have that ability to engage with him, um, that invites you to encounter him in the everyday, in the mundane of life. And um, and I, I know like for me, the mundane can just like, it can get overwhelming sometimes. I know that when I get stressed or I start to, um, allow fear to come in. Fear is just like often just robs me of intimacy with the Lord mm. because, um, you know, I'm in, in family life and kids are going crazy or like there's financial issues or I don't know. It's just like you wake up and you're just like, oh, what's going on? We try to get control back into our lives, which is like based around fear instead of just like learning to yield and trust um, that I can really just like, zone out from the Lord and stop encountering him. But I find when I stop, stop yourself, just start to remember that he's 
I have full access. And Lord is actually four years ago when I had an encounter, I realized I had complete access and I was completely compatible with the Lord because of who he is and what he did. He brought, I, rem- I remember that encounter. I was there. <laughs> you were there, Caleb. It was, yeah, that was wild. amazing, bro. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll share about some other time, but, yeah. um, but yeah, it was like six months, about three, four months later, I was having an encounter with the Lord and he took me into his room into like, it was like his, his, um, his private room. And then he, he brought me in there and he said, you can come here anytime you like. Like, and in fact, he said, in fact, I'm going to lock the door so you can never leave. And it was like, um, and so for me, my imagination is a great way for me to engage with the Lord. Um, because I think it's just like imagination allows us to, um, see what the natural eye can't see. But if it's aligned with truth, it just allows the mind to encounter what your spirit's already living in. Mm. That makes sense. And so, you know, throughout the day, as I'm doing things, anytime I'm like, oh, I'll just stop and I'll just go back to that place where I'm just sitting with him in his glory and I'll start to have encounters with him throughout the day. And he's just like giving me a few different places, keys that just take me back about, we call them like the Bethel encounters, Bethel, Bethel, where God dwells, where I can just in my imagination go back and then it just leads into an encounter, leads into peace, leads into like, it just allows, it just opens the door of his spirit just to, because I think he's always there, but it opens me up and my environment to like come and just see the Lord just move in, in our family situation, in our lives, in our work, in our ministry now relationships so good um i i just want to go back um to this idea of um The new covenant, and mm-hmm. then, and then the Lord being re- the Lord revealing Himself, um, the full revelation of who He is, His nature, yeah. in the New Testament, um, and then also reflect back on. Um, I th- I feel like there's this idea that people have. Um, they read the Bible, and they read all the stories, and we all grew up with. If you're from mm. a Christian family, you grew up with, you know, all these stories of of what God did through the Old Testament, and um, when you really consider some of those. Uh, it can it can create a little bit of confusion around his nature, mm-hmm. and I know there can be this subconscious idea or concept that is is within Christianity that we're kind of dealing um, with two different with like kind of different gods or something like that. Yeah, or right. even if we wouldn't say it that overtly, there's this subtle thing that is like we're dealing with two gods, and and he's kind of like mm. unpredictable, and there's this. This, it's hard to reconcile that actually sometimes what we're what we're struggling to reconcile is that Jesus actually is he is God like he right. is because it, it can seem like his nature who he is and the way he interacts um contradicts the God that we see in the Old Testament yeah, and I right. realize like this is a big this is a big topic and um there is some mystery I think there is some mystery around um some of the 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 stories and things like that but um, I'd love to hear like, yeah, just your perspective on um, God being the same like today, yesterday, 
forever. Like it's the same, mm. it's the same God. And, and, and again, from like, from a Hebraic perspective, um, now that you're in Christ as well, what does it look like to reflect on the Old Testament, on some of these stories? Yeah. And, um, and see Christ, see Christ in, in them. Mm. So it's a really great question. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think often the opinion around God having two natures, you know, he's just like nature pre-Christ and nature after Christ, or this two, really often comes out of um, some of the, just some bad theology that's been taught, you know, just we just throw these remarks around. He used to be like this, but he's now like this. Um, I think it also comes from maybe just a lack of actually spending time reading the Old Testament because um, you start to see the nature of God just revealed all the way through it. It's so consistent. So it's almost like we have, because we have a few stories that we reference in the Old Testament that, but we don't haven't read all the way through it. And you start to hear the love language of God, Mm. um, which really has always points to his nature of love and grace. His slow to anger is rich in mercy. Um, and we reference like Exodus and what happened to the Egyptians, but we don't realize that he actually kept Israel in, in, in Egypt for 200 years to be merciful to the Egyptians to see if they'd turn, you know, that the wow. sin would like, he, he kept them in Israel, in Egypt for 200 years. So Canaan, like he said, until their sin, their cup of sin was filled to the top and he's like, that's it. So he, he, he like, Whoa. it was actually his mercy, you know, um, and so, you know, you read Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is called the gospel of the Old Testament because God just continually references his love and his desire for Israel to love him and know him over and over again. Some of the other books like Leviticus and Numbers are not so heavily um, charged with this language of love and it's like a lot more rules-based. Um, the other interesting thing to note about the old testament is that it's very um strongly the old testament is quite strongly one um, sort of one kingdom based so we don't have an understanding of the two kingdoms of like dark and light it's sort of like everything that happens is sort of god and even the devil is an agent of god in a sense satan is a is an agent he's an angel of of god and so you only have like Job is like the only book you really start to see this uh, this figure, this uh, angel being referenced and he's referenced in the first two or three chapters of the book. And then while Job sits down with his friends and they start to ask the question why he's never referenced again. So he's the actual cause of Job's issues, but Job never asks and his friends never talk about him. They're always like, why has God let this happen? And that actually starts to make you realize, oh, they didn't see the whole story. They didn't realize that there's two kingdoms and Jesus starts to unpack that. So that's awesome. what we look at, what we see through this is that, that the Bible is a book of God's revelation to man, you know, and the fullness of that revelation came through Christ. You know, Hebrews 1, 2, that he is the exact imprint of the nature of God. So up to that time, we had um, the prophets who were, Moses was a prophet, the writers who were writing about their encounters with God, um, growing as God revealed his nature. And we see um, 
you see Abraham who just doesn't even really know who God is, but just he knows that he's real and he's just going to start to follow him. And he's a God of the promise. He's a promise keeper. And that's really what you get out of Abraham's stories. Abraham's just like, okay, I just trust you. Um, then you've got his sons and they're all pretty wild. And he's still strong around a promise, around a land, around a people, around the fact that he will bless you. The blessing comes from God. Okay, cool. Um, mixed in with a plethora of like all other religions that are just operating all around the world. And so we, totally. we forget that. We think it's just like, it's not an atheistic society with like one God. It's like, it's like polynistic. It's like heaps of gods everywhere, you know? Yeah. And so there's this one God that's trying to reveal himself. And then as you go through, then you get Moses and God starts, The Moses doesn't even know God's name. Like, who am I going to call you? Like, who are you? What am I going to say? Whoa. Do you know? And so, um, You've got Joseph, again, where God's just like a promise keeper. So it's like strong themes of promise keeper. And then he actually, God can articulate um, current situations and reveal that to mankind. He can give you dreams and visions and people can actually hear the voice of God and articulate it and he'll lift you up and he'll lower you. But he's involved in all that. And you get to David, you get to Moses and you can start to talk to him. Like there's friendship. God wants friendship. Wow. You know, and so we think like the children of Israel, um, they weren't all friends with God and we sort of, but but we're living out of a, a full revelation of the story. I mean, the children of Israel that came in, out of Egypt didn't even know the name of God. You know, as far as they knew, he was just a promise keeper, a distant God. And then Moses is the first one that's brought into this encounter with friendship with God, mm. you know, and so he's revealing the fact that we can have intimacy with God and he wanted all the Israelites to come into that, but he needed to do that and tell that story through a man, through a person. And so then you get to David and he's he's growing and he's like not just intimacy, but we can have this fellowship and communion wow. with him. And it's wrapped up in worship and the arts. And he, you know, God really loves dance. He he really wants to interact with not just talking to us about really important things, but he 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 loves us enjoying him. Wow. You know, and so that's a new revelation. And you just see that until you get to Jesus and Jesus just reveals to us that he's in this God wants to involve everyone. He, he loves giving us food. He loves, um, he cares about our taxes and finances. He, he each cares about women, slaves, Gentiles, wow. non-Gentiles, wow. you know, and so the fullness of this revelation is just like being revealed. And, Whoa. and so, I think that the word of God is the word of God, but you have to realize that it's it's precept upon precept that's being built. Um, otherwise, you take a lower precept and you try to trump that with a higher precept and it just gets very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thank God for Jesus. It was it was Jacob was wrestling with that with with Jesus. Tell me who you are. What is your name? You know, he's like wrestling. He wants to know the fullness of God, and God's not ready to reveal that yet. He couldn't. It was, it was would have been premature to who he is. Mm. And so, yet if you read the whole story of the Bible, it's a story of love, and I don't think it breaks at all. It's a it's a slow to anger, even the way that he dealt with. If you just read a chapter. It might it might seem confusing. like confusing, but a hundred years, right, of Noah before the flood came, a hundred years of just like God just 
tarrying, like just waiting. James talks about that. You know, he's waiting. He's slow to anger. He want, he doesn't want anyone to perish. Mm. But there is a timeline. There's a stop. Like he's God. He's not going to let it keep on going. He's going to put a pause on it to reset it because he, 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 he needs a pure bloodline. He has a seed. He has something that he's not going to let be completely corrupted. He always has wow. his, you know, he's always got the 7,000 that are kept out for him. So he, he, he will keep that ultimately, he, you know, and, and he'll step in and, and be like, I, I can't let it keep on going like this. But um, he's, he's just so kind. And I feel like we're in that generation. We're still in that same. God is the same today. He's still amazing. He, he, we have the good news of the gospel is that um, the law that the children of Israel were given at Mount Sinai has been now written in our hearts, you know, God was trying to project something onto them where their hearts were not engaged in it because of sin. Sin had corrupted it. So he just took that out, the issue. And he's, he, he gave us even something better than what was in the garden. But the garden was, the law was, <clears throat> the law was given to a group of people who didn't have intimacy with him. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve were supposed to walk in God's commandments through intimacy and we've just been brought back in. And I think we come back to this thing where we're talking about right at the beginning around dissecting God into like the holy and this is not holy. Actually, he just wants intimacy with us as children of God and that'll allow him to like just invade every aspect of our lives. That's so good, bro. I, I, love, I feel like um, you're, you're helping to shine light on the tapestry that's just like being woven through the ages and it's like it's bro- it just broadens the canvas um or our perspective of the canvas of of who who God is like he's so he's so vivid in mm. in color and in um and um yeah and and in dimension this he's so expansive and i feel like I, that was just so rich like what you unpacked i felt i just felt like um he just got so big, but also like there's this simplicity all the way through of of a loving God that can mm. be found all the way through. Um, and I love, we were even talking about it, I think yesterday, about the glimpses of Jesus in the Old Testament as well. There's actually glimpses of of the Lord. Like you you referenced um, Jacob wrestling with him and and then we talked about Daniel in I think it's Daniel ten, yeah, where Daniel, Saturday. yeah, he has he has like a pretty significant visitation of of the Lord, and mm. his description of Jesus is is the same description is very very similar, uncannily similar to John's description in Revelation, which is a new covenant. It's the revelation of Christ. You know, we know that it's Christ mm. in the book of Revelation, but Daniel's having um, an encounter where he's describing the eternal Christ as well, the resurrected yeah. King, and. So I, I I love that idea that actually there's a Trinitarian God present through the entire journey as God is revealing Himself to man and wrestling with man to mm. bring them into this fullness, this substance that's in Jesus. Oh, absolutely! Super, so absolutely. He's all the way through. I mean, essentially, if you look at it, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament speaks as the Lord. Yeah, you know, Abraham. Uh, Joshua, yeah. Jacob, um, yeah, uh, Gideon. You know, you hear see the angel of the Lord appear, and and he's essentially just 
God in flesh, you know, and he speaks like that. Yeah, he didn't have a name. And I like the fact that the last, you know, God is like continually, you know, if you understand like through the Bible that um, through the Old Testament, they keep giving names to God, God the provider, God the savior, um, um, God the healer. Um, but the last revelation of the name of God and his nature was it was Yeshua, it was Savior. He's actually going to come and save. That was like, wow. that was the last Jesus. You, you will call him Jesus, you know. Um, you know and I, I like that that's, oh man, that, that is God. He's just like, he was waiting for the right time to reveal the fullness of his nature, which is Savior. Mm. Um, and so. It's good, bro. It's yeah. So, it's so awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, all through the Old Testament, there's, I mean, I love it because ministering to my brothers and sisters, my Jewish brothers and sisters, you've got, uh, you've really just got the Old Testament to, they're not going to open up the New Testament to read about about the Jewish Messiah because they they believe it's heresy. I actually believe it's a book of lies about the Jews, which is so strange. It's it's, wow. not, it's a massive lie. So when they start to realize that the whole book, the whole of the New Testament has been written by Jews, um, as far as we can see, like Luke was a Jew. He was a Hellenistic Jew. So you've got the whole of the New Testament written, which 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 really, you know, if we had a book written in Chinese and we were following Chinese, like it would be helpful to know some of their customs to understand it, right? For sure, for sure. And so I think we often forget that. But going back into the Old Testament, it's just like, it's just so rich. It's It's what all our forefathers had, you know, what the disciples, what Jesus rested his whole ministry on, unpacking the law and the prophets uh, around why Christ, why the Messiah had to be crucified, who he is. And so it's so rich. Everything points to the Messiah. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, been talking a little bit on the podcast about um, having visitations of, of the Lord, visitations of Jesus. And I even shared a story, I think it was, a, it was probably almost a month ago now where um, we were in a prayer meeting. Um, I teach in a in a, um, a like theological or a discipleship school. Really, it's not really yeah. a theological school. Um, and I do I teach on prayer and I teach on developing a life of intimacy with God. And um, we were having a corporate time of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I um, one of the guys got up and he had a he had an open vision of the Lord wow. walking in the room. Wow! And and he was just like, I actually love this guy. Hey. Um, he he always just like he comes in the in the prayer time and just waits just waits on the Lord just lies on the ground, and he just got up and he just came up he's like I, I want to share something and he's like I just had an open vision the Lord walked in the room wow wow and he, and he said um and he said and the and he's standing over there and he points he points to the area in the room where the Lord's standing and the wow. second he points the second he says it. You feel you just start to feel it's like a surge yeah. of power just went through the room and um and and people just hitting the deck you wow. know just because the fear of God you suddenly realize <laughs> especially being wow. being a leader you know what this is like when the Lord comes in a way like that where you oh, suddenly like I take my hands off yeah. like uh, you're here God okay I'm yeah. checking out like <laughs> yeah I don't want to touch this Far he out. he's the king you know Amen. like he's that's what the we king. want isn't it that's that's what you want that's that, what you just it's, that's, sh- it should be what you want as a leader, especially. It should really be what you want. You want that. Amen. You want. You want the. You want to create a space where the Lord can can take over. But 
But it was to me, it was <sighs> like amazing. it was distinct from, um, say, like encounters of the Holy Spirit, um, or you know, immersive encounters, the cloud mm-hmm. of His glory, or, mm-hmm. or or something like that. It was really, it really felt like Jesus Himself. Like it felt a like person. the Lord. Yeah, there, there was a personal. Um, aspect to it that wow. you could you could feel a, the presence of a person, and he yeah. is he is wonder, and he is he is raw power, yeah. and he is beauty, and Come he on. is like scary love, like and that's and it just like he came in the room, and wow. um, I you know in light of everything we're talking about, like we're talk, we're talking about people who in a lesser covenant or in a, a lesser time were having these kinds of yeah. visitations, if not more like Moses I, I love I think it's numbers 13 um where God says to Moses um to to Miriam and to Aaron he he says um if there is a prophet in your midst I talk to them through a dream or through a vision but my servant Moses I talk to him face, <laughs> face to, to face, face and I let and I let him see the form of God I let him see my form it's wild and it's so like so he, wild. I, I love, even one John you know that which we have seen that which we have handled that that which we have looked upon yeah concerning the word of life yeah. the eternal Christ that which we have it's so personal it's so like John is communicating a gospel um where he related to God himself in a mm. very um human way yet he was obviously he was wondrous and full of glory and he got the man of transfiguration but he yep. he somehow god has this way of like bringing himself right into our midst but I, you you also you mentioned a little bit about your practice um a little bit of your practice around yeah. um you know we're talking about god being in our midst and and holistic living holistically in his presence and, mm. and shaping our world around his worldview and things like that. Mm. Um, do you think you could share um, on a practical level like what it looks like um, to develop your imagination or to develop um, uh, your prayer life in a way where we start to open our hearts and expectation yeah. um, to relate to this God, this God who's been revealing himself, interacting with humanity, visiting. Not He's not hiding in the shadows. I don't believe especially the covenant that we're living in that God's hiding in the shadows yeah. and he's and he's like he's there's mystery to him but he's not mysterious yeah totally you know oh, amen so what does it look like for you like you talked about that one practical tool of um you have these moments where you've you you've tasted yeah. of him and then you reference that again could you share a little bit about how to develop that your inner life yeah it's so good you know i think like faith faith is this whole ambiguous thing, but faith is what allows us to encounter the supernatural um, in many aspects, whether to, it, it, the godly supernatural, uh, the, the evil supernatural faith, faith is um, fear. Fear is actually faith. It's just the faith in, in unbelief or it's faith in, thing, yeah. you know, the wrong thing, but you encounter, you st- you, people have encounters with anxiety, they have encounters with, um, hatred or they have encounters with oppression because of faith. Um, the cool thing is I, I just, God is so hungry for intimacy with you. Like he, he, he want, he, God chose to reveal himself to Moses. Like Moses was nothing special. He, he chose Moses and Moses just said, yes. Uh, we have to think about the living God. The son of God came to earth, right? He, 
not hidden. And and I believe that Jesus is just as alive and just as real, and he's, he's just as present, if not more, through his spirit than when he was on earth, right? Um, but there were people who missed it. There were people while he was on earth doing his miracles, signs and wonders, amazing things broke out, who only saw um, him as a man. You know, you think about the Pharisees, you think about those who hung out with him or those who were around him. They didn't believe that God wanted to have intimacy with them. They thought that their walk with God was all about do's and don'ts. And their perspective of God ripped them off an encounter with the living God. Wow. And and I know that as a believer for so many years of my life, my perspective of God, and really it was judgment, like I saw him as judgment because I judged myself, I judged others so much as well, mm. and I even laid judgment on him. Like I judged the way that he would want to treat me mm-hmm. and his desire not to be around me. Like I judged him. And you can see in the Pharisees, like they judged Jesus. Jesus says, the level that you judge others is the level that you'll be judged, but so forth also. Like the level you judge yourself is the level you'll judge others. Yeah. And so they missed out on encounter and intimacy with the living God. You just think about that. So number one thing is like he wants to know you. He just loves you. When he made you a new creation, he made you compatible like you were grafted into him. You didn't do that. He did that. And what he does is when he engrafted you into himself, it's the language of like, I want you to drink of me. Like Jesus is so personal. He said, unless you Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, what's that look like? Well, you know, you know, as Jews and the Israelites were told not to drink the blood of any animal, even the clean animals, because life was in the blood. That's what he says. Life is in the blood, so don't drink it. So we, because it's not the life that we are supposed to be partaking of. We're not to be partaking of the life that comes out of an animal. We're called. You are called to partake as human beings to partake of the life that comes out of God. Wow. And so Jesus is like, drink my blood. What he's saying, he's saying, my life is to be your life. Like the, like the power that coursed through Jesus's veins to enable him to live and to be resurrected Whoa. is the life that he wants you to partake of. Like how intimate is that? Like what does that look like? And so if only we would just ex- like allow our minds to agree with, the, with his heart, leads us into deep encounters and intimacy with the Father. Mm. And so for me, it's my pursuit is like that I would remain, that I would, because the devil goes after that. I feel like he just is, just goes after separation. Anything. You know, just yeah. if he can just taint the way we see ourselves, he can just taint the way that we see the Father, then then he just like, er, like that's how break, relationships are always um, broken down this week. Just like, tainted it's like oh that individual hurt me like they don't really care and why don't we just distance ourselves hey he just goes after that with with us and i don't think it's because he hates us he hates the father he just wants to you know how can you hurt me i have three beautiful kids and if you could get between my kids and convince my kids that i don't think they're worthy enough and that or that i'm not interested in knowing them I'm like pouring out my love, but as long as they believe that, they'll never actually be able to encounter it because they're believing a lie. And so just the lie of rejection, the lie of like that you are defined by your actions 
he's like, that's been broken at the cross. Like he, he says in 2 Corinthians 5 that he's wiped out the handwriting of sin of the whole world. He's wiped that out. He desires reconciliation. His desires that we'd be reconciled with him, brought into an intimate encounter to know him as father. Mm. This is eternal life, to know the father and the son that was sent, like to know him. And so for me, like, first of all, that, that's just, that's my foundation. That's like, he actually loves me apart from how I feel, apart from my emotions or my circumstances that doesn't define the love of God for me. The cross did. Okay, wow. He died for me. Yeah, he's not like micromanaging your behavior. No, he's no. like trying to get into your heart all the time. All like, all how do time. I just reveal to him, to her, that yeah. I love them? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I just start to meditate on that. I start to meditate on the fact that as he is, so am I in the world, that his righteousness is my righteousness. What, is, what does meditation look like to you? What is your inner practice? Yeah, it's so it's such a good question. Um, it's so funny because I don't often articulate this sort of stuff, but it's I can see how it's so practical. So for me, meditation um, looks like taking every thought in my mind and comparing it to the Word of God, the grid of the Word of God, like what I what I know about God. Like it's because my because the nature of God is no longer. It was such a long time defined by my experience or my circumstances and it was held um it was held uh, at ransom by my experience you know it was like well i thought god was good but you know i had a bad day like maybe he's not good but now it's just like no god's good um so i had a bad day but he's in the midst of it i can encounter him here like he makes a, a table for me in the midst of my enemies so whoa like Though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I shall not fear. Wow, wow circumstances don't define God's goodness anymore. In fact, it, it gives me the ability, circumstances, bad trials, actually create an opportunity for me to engage with God and his goodness in ways that I couldn't have experienced in places of the land of, you know, the, you know, the, good, the land of goodness. Milk and honey promise. Yeah, exactly. Through, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and so what I do is I just, I often just sit and I just like take, um, I just spend time with the Lord, just like um, taking every thought, because I've generally got like three or four thoughts running through in my mind, and then I'll just bring them to the Lord and bring them to the Word, and He'll just like, He'll just like, they'll just be extinguished. If they're not, the truth will just be exposed and they'll be chucked out and just replaced with truth. So I do that, and then out of that, as I just start to, you know, you just meditate on the fact that He loves me. He actually just desires, you know, God just like desires me. Just like he. There's like a slowing down. Like it's a slowing you're, down. You're describing it. It's like a slowing down and, yeah. and letting that, that, that simple truth, whatever it is that he's highlighting, like it's, it's letting it have some weight yeah. in your awareness in the moment yeah. rather than just like, because I can say God loves you. Okay, let's yeah. get get on with life. You yeah, know? but it's like it's there's something about from what I'm what you're what you're saying. It's like reminding me. It's like something about when when you let that just sit, you can almost come back to it. I think like truth always leads me to an encounter. So it's like if I start to meditate on the love of God, 
and this is what I think meditation is. It's 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 abiding in truth that leads to an encounter. So I'll like I may not feel the love of God or the presence of God, but as soon as I start to meditate on it, I just generally feel His glory all over me, and it leads into an encounter. And it just gets quick. It seems to get faster and faster now. It's just like so quick now. While like in the early days, it would because my mind would often be racing still and my mind was like, maybe not. There was all these lies or I just didn't know how to settle because I didn't have peace in my inner man. I wasn't resting in peace. It was a lot harder. But yeah, as I, as I, as you said, God like loves me. He desires me. I'm like his, I'm his, I'm like his son. Like I'm in his family. His DNA is inside of me. He just, he wants to speak to me and then that'll just lead into an encounter with the Lord. So I do that. So that's, that's one of the ways. And then I don't know if you've ever had it, but sometimes you become aware. Uh, I, for me, the best way to explain it is like your heart has been glad wrapped. I don't know if you've ever had that, you just desire for the Lord seems to drop off. You know, it's just like desire for intimacy or desire to read your Bible. And what, I've often done in the past is like allowed condemnation to come in and be like, Oh, I need to try harder. So you just like keep trying harder to do something that the desire's not there. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, well, let's just go into practice and so you start to practice it. And that does work sometimes. But what I've found is like, well, this is intimacy. So I just come to the father and be like, father, I don't know why, but I just, why don't I have the desire to be with you? Cause you are the source of life. So I'll just sit with the Holy Spirit and I'll just like wait. I was like, I'm not sure, like, I want my desire to match your desire for me. And so I'll just wait. And then he'll just like reveal something to me, something that I, because often, you know, we're not, we can take every thought captive, but then sometimes we have these experiences or we have these situations that, um, that it sit in our subconsciousness almost, and you can't, your reasoning can't grab a hold of those things. So, when, so when you're saying the subconscious, like a place that is just lower to use some kind of language than the cognitive place, where you can consciously see it, like it's yeah. just hidden. Yeah, it's like it's the you know when you you think about subconsciousness is that's where you you breathe. You don't think about it; you just breathe, and actually, we're breathing right now. Sure. But your mind's still thinking about it, but it's not. It doesn't reasoning doesn't sit in there, even though you can make yourself breathe faster if you start to reason about it. But sure. and so things like intimacy or desire to be with someone, sometimes those things can sit in the subconsciousness where it's like, well, I can't think of anything why I wouldn't want to be. Um, but I just know my desire, like something's wrong there. And there's uh, I just call it like glad wrapping the heart, it's generally the word that I use because I know my heart desires him. So there's like, there's a disconnect. And so I'll just sit with the father and I'll be like, I thank you that you, Holy Spirit, you are the perfect counselor. So just come counsel me now. I'm not going to try harder. I'm not going to be like getting to the word and create, you know, I need to do seven seven days of like fasting to break it. It's like, oh, just would you just come teach me? It's just like really restful. So good. So restful. And then he just like, I remember like, this has happened like quite a few times. He's like, oh, it's this, Julio. Like um, one was like, I just stopped believing that he wanted my best. Um, I, I, I just had some experiences, some things that happened in life and I started to believe there was just through my circumstances that he was a good God. He, I didn't, wasn't questioning his goodness, but he 
um, he wasn't, he was holding back from his best for me. And, um, and for some, for some reason, like that subconsciously had like started to like just come in and just rob me of desire for intimacy. And as soon as like, and then he's just like, Jalil, like I gave you my best, like, I always want your best. Like I gave my only son, like uh, I gave the best of heaven for you. Like, yeah, he doesn't withhold anything. He doesn't withhold. Yeah. He doesn't withhold it. And he, and, but then he like led me into encounter where I saw his son and I was like, oh, of course, yeah, that's right. And it's like stripped that lie off and just like awoke my heart into a new level of intimacy with him. Um, that was so powerful. So I just like the fact that, because I know that he's fully personal and he actually wants to engage in me, I just make the space for him to do that. And he just comes through, you know, he just encounters us. He just, he's so good at his job. He's, he knows us so well. Yeah. I think if I, I think another big lie is that I can't hear from God. Well, wow. you know, there's that lie. There's, there's another one that can come in. It's like, well, I'm not like Heidi Baker. I'm not like, you know, Caleb Bowles. Or I don't know. Like I don't have, the reception to be able to pick up. I don't have the right antennas to encounter God. It's such a lie. He, God showed me recently, and this is another little thing that I hold in my toolbox of like encounter. God made me as a perfect receptor of his love. Like humanity was made to be the perfect receiver. Like if anything could encounter yeah. him, it was humanity. It's like, he, he's like, um, almost like a cup, like he pours his wine into. It's like, this is the perfect vessel to be able to receive my wine. You are, whoever's listening here, I was going to encourage you. God formed you. He created everything inside of you within your soul, your spirit, your mind, your flesh. That He He was like, this is where I want to pour out my life. He actually created you to pour out his love upon. Like that's why you were made. And it's like, start to believe that. It's like, oh man, like there's nothing else in creation that can receive the love of God like I can. That's why I was created. Incredible. And that just like wipes that lie out. That's why we were formed to pour out his love upon. So that's just so helpful, Very which is good. really, really helpful. Very good. I love um, Psalm 63 where David says that he meditates. He's like, I meditate on your word your word, or on your whatever it is. Your on Torah, you. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the in the watches of the night. Yeah. And, and, um, and he says, you satisfy me with fatness and with marrow. It's just like, I love that <laughs> so language. Rich. We had lamb last night. Cool. Jaleel co- cooked lamb and, and you, you really, that picture of that fatness and the marrow mm. um, is beautiful. And I, I heard meditation also, um, biblical med- meditation articulated um, as like a cow who's, who's chewing on grass yeah. and, and they swallow it and they, they it's actually kind of gross, but they regurgitate it um, and then they chew it. A little bit more they call it chewing the card or whatever yeah. is that right yeah yeah oh, totally and yeah. um and that's the principle you take these simple um concepts and you and you you ingest them and yeah. then you uh, you just look at them again and you chew them again and you ingest them yeah it's so powerful awesome. that um yeah i mean most most jews or most israelites you know didn't have uh the written word of god in their house, like it was in a synagogue or in the temple and they would hear it or they'd sing it. The kids would learn to recite it as, you know, 13-year-olds would be able to recite the Torah. But then throughout the week, throughout the day, throughout the week, they were meditating, like they were going back to think about it. And that's for me, it's like, um, 
is so powerful. It's like how the Lord speaks to me when I write sermons. Generally, most revelation is like actually may not be. It may be sometimes a portion of scripture that I'm reading in the moment, but often I'm like lying on bed in, in my bed or I'm like mowing the lawn or I'm, I'm like doing some work and a thought will come to me about a certain passage and I'll just start to think about it. And then it'll just like, yeah, it's just like the actual juicy goodness content of that is is digested within um it's not just within the cognitive reasoning of like the intake of the eyes and I'm like reading it it's actually um the nutrition of that comes back and there's just so much mm-hmm. nutrition va- value into my soul and my yeah. spirit yeah. as you meditate on it so good yeah and um it builds it builds an infrastructure an interior mm. structure that actually and and calibrates you mm-hmm. Um, toward encountering God. Oh, so, amen. So and so yeah. I think that's why it's important to get it into you. So your mind will like remember the word of God, but then this word of God is like the sword of the spirit. So the spirit breathes life on the word of God. Um, but if the word of God's not inside you, it it's looking for that to bring a sword, mm. um, to be able to bring that's a so sharpness. Good. That's really good. And so it's important. some people don't have... Like they don't, they've never experienced meditation or, or they haven't experienced that regurgitation of the word. But half of it is because they haven't created a lifestyle of reading it, just like placing it inside of you. And the spirit will start to knit it together. Like he'll teach us. Uh, we have uh, the ability to actually put it into our minds. Mm. Open our eyes, open the word, and just sit with it and just read it. And just mm. trust, trust. Like we so want stuff done right now. Like we want to read the word so and just like give me a revelation, God, or I'm going away. And it's like, well, that's just like not the way God ever works. Like yeah. it's, you know, I love the fact that my parents are beef cattle farmers. Imagine if the cows were like, I'm going to eat the grass and I want the full nutrient value as soon as I chew on it. That's not the way God works. It's, you know, they eat, they spend like half a day eating and then they spend the other half of the day just lying down regurgitating the food that they ate and just sitting there just enjoying life. Green pastures, <laughs> hey, Psalm 23, wow. Yeah, and so, and so I just encourage you, if you want to like grow in like encountering the Lord through the word of God, which I think is so important, it's, it's I think it's a, it's a one of the foundational blocks to an individual's life is to read the word of God. Just get into you, just enjoy so the good. fact that you're just learning from God and put faith in the fact that if you don't fully understand it, it's okay. The Holy Spirit's going to regurgitate it to you and he's going to start to like... you got to help her, yeah. He's going he's gonna to start to minister to you. I love that, that analogy as well as like the regurgitation is for yourself. Yeah, yeah. To get nutrients. Yeah. There's a lot of biblical memorization and different things that... It can. There's the risk of being, you know, you feel you feel validated or something by your biblical knowledge right. in some worlds. But I love that that whole process of meditation is really that you. It's for you to to receive the nutrients and for it to become um, nourishment to your own body, and then yeah. and then that health just naturally reproduces itself. Yeah, you know, I think um, because of the culture of preaching that we have, um, this we have this weird culture where it's like. And I've done it as a pastor. You just feel like this pressure to every week have a sermon, you know. And so then we have a culture of like we got to read the word of God to like release it to people and like for people to hear it. Um, but revelation, like you can see people who move in revelation because it's a reality in their lives. It's just like 
they've regurgitated. It's like transformed their lives. They've got the nutrients mm. from it, first of all, before you start to, and then that just naturally just spills out of their lives into others because yeah. the revelation is it's not, yeah. It's formed in them. It's, it's formed in them. Yeah. 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 Um, we, we're, we're pretty much running out of time. So I, um, that's so good, bro. Um, I'd love just for like, just, just to finish up for like a minute, mm. if you could, um, or a minute or two, if you could share, um, what you feel like the Lord is saying to us as the body of Christ right now. And, and what do you feel like he's really putting weight on, um, in this season that we're in? Wow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the Lord is is shifting memory stones in us as people and really teaching us to, wow, just like really lay in our minds uh, stones where God has moved and they become pillars not just for us but for our children. I think that we live in an age where we are so aware of our inner man more than like many generations just so aware of our feelings yeah you know and that's great like there's this enlightenment around feelings but um also it can make us very um soulish and really just like so centered like if my feelings aren't great or my experience aren't great and so disappointment just like is rapidly consistently leading to discouragement in people's lives and discouragement is just robbing people of walking in the blessing of god uh, the the promises of God, it will rob discouragement will rob you from the promise of God. It'll also rob you from following Him wholeheartedly. So I think there's a shift that's taking place where, as believers, He's inviting us in our minds to move these memory stones where we've placed them, where in disappointment, and place them in the victories of God, um, for the sake of the future. And it's not that you ignore that you ignore the disappointment, but you see the disappointment. Uh, you you look beyond the disappointment to those pillar stones of God's victories. It's what's going to enable us to move forward. So I think that's one of the keys. I think that the Lord is creating, um, restructuring everything in the body around family, like family unity. Because it's like when we discover that our Father, God is actually truly our Father, then we discover that we are, actually are true sisters and brothers because the reality like if you're like yeah god's my father but you don't ever actually interact with him like a real father and it's like i feel like the interaction that we can have with god is beyond what we have with a real father it's so deep it's so rich and he really starts to father us as he starts to do that then we really can allow our family to really family us Mm. um the family of god and so i love the fact that i feel like the father is just like this generation more than ever inside and outside the church is like, that's the question they're asking. Who's my community? Who am I? What's my value? So that's the question they want. And that's why identity is just being revealed. Righteousness is just such a, just a, is just carried banner because people of the world is devoid of value right now and identity, which leads to purpose. So family is really important. And I think the way that we do it, it's going to really shift. Um, I think leadership is starting to look radically different. Um, you know, I think in the past, I was talking to a friend of mine, leadership has looked like we're running a five-star restaurant and you've got a head chef and everyone in there has a job. And so we're all like pumping out food that none of us ever eat. 
Wow. And so it's like creating these amazing meals. But when you do go and eat, if you've ever lived in a restaurant, you go and eat by yourself one of those meals and you chow it down really quickly then get back on board. And like the church culture has been like, you have, you're part of this big system to create something extraordinary that none of us actually participate or enjoy the nutrients from. And the Lord is shifting us into actually a culture of a banquet where a father's like, let's have a banquet. And then everyone brings something and we all sit down and partake of it together. And leadership doesn't look like, um, being the one with the clear vision, leadership is the one who like is is the one who creates the invitation, creates the opportunities of family for us to engage with the father in family. And so, um, we all sit at a table and we're all learning to like bring something. We get excited. In fact, people can give bring it with their whole heart because they'll do a better job than what they would do in a kitchen where they're employed. When they realize that, oh man, like last week I turned up and. There was Mary and she made the most amazing apple crumbles and, you know, there was like this roast. And so next week you're just bringing something extraordinary. You want to bring what God's placed in you to the table and then we all sit down we enjoy it together. We enjoy the Lord around that. And I feel like the Lord's inviting us to banquet, learn to banquet as a family around him. Um, so good. Yeah. So I love this. it, bro. I, I mean, House of Wine, it's actually, it's from Song of Songs. <laughs> he brought me to the banqueting house, Amen. but it's, it's his House of Wine. He brought me to the House Amen. of Wine. So I just so agree with that. And um, thanks so much, bro. I love um, you, Caleb. Thank yeah. you for having me on your on your uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love you too, bro. Thanks for being on it. And um, I know, I know this is going to bless a lot of people. And um, so, yeah. Thanks, thanks everyone for listening and um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to House of Wine, the podcast. I pray that you would start to fall into richer experiences in the glory of God. Please subscribe to stay up to date with what we have coming up in the future. And once again, thank you for listening.